I think when the market is, you know, potentially going through a downturn type scenario, or you're just not as busy as you have been historically, that's the moment when these metrics matter most. And so giving operations managers the ability to understand their overhead costs. So, you know, maybe they have a hundred team members and 90 of them are assigned to projects, but the other 10 there's no work coming up for them in the next six months. That's something that's very important to know and it's very important to understand the specific dollar value around that. So we call that bench cost. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today has been named Tech Vibes Entrepreneur of the Year, was on the 2019 Forbes Manufacturing and Industry 30 Under 30 list, and is the co-founder and CEO of Bridget, a construction resource management software company. Mallory Brody is a trailblazing innovator in the construction industry. Welcome to the show, Mallory. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. Absolutely. Uh, so you have a cool and rather unusual story of how you and, and co-founder Lauren Lake met and came up with the idea that began Bridget. wonder if you could share that story with the audience. Absolutely. It definitely was unusual. And that was pointed out to us by many investors along the way, <laughs> uh, which was always fun. Um, so both Lauren and I studied at college together. I was in business and she was in civil engineering. And we actually met not at college, despite being on the same campus for four years, um, we met at a business accelerator program that was taking place across Canada, and they brought 36 individuals into the program um, as they were in their fourth year and final year of school. Mm -hmm. And we got randomly matched up on a team together. Um, oh, wow. And we had met throughout sort of the interview process and really got along well, but it was out of our control at that point. And so got matched up onto a team one night and we were tasked with uh, coming up with a business idea and pitching it to a room full of Toronto business investors the following morning. And so we had only a few hours that evening to come up with an initial idea. And um, so we very quickly realized that we both had come from families that had been in the construction industry. We decided that we would you know, immediately get on the phone and start talking to some of the other folks we knew in the construction industry, as it was just a common interest between the two of us mm -hmm. and started just asking, you know, what's frustrating on site? What is costing you money? What's challenging? And the first idea that we pitched the next morning was um, a digital digitized logbook idea, which has now definitely been developed in the space. And the feedback we got was, you know, that's really interesting. It's definitely a huge market, but we don't think the construction industry is willing to adopt technology. And this was back in 2013. Okay. Um, and so we said, okay, you know, that's, that's an interesting insight, but we're going to dig, dig further. And we decided to go out and, and do our own research and ended up interviewing 500 folks from the construction industry to validate that there really was this desire to adopt technology. And that's really how the business got off the ground. Wow. That's a, uh, that's awesome. Uh, so what was it like back in those early days to, you know, start getting some more people to bought in on the the idea and, and really building it out into a, a full-fledged company. One of my earliest memories was um, ordering or well, going to a, a cell phone store and buying about 20 Android devices 
and putting otter box cases onto those phones, which actually yeah. really hurts your fingers to do <laughs> 20 of them and distributing them to our early customers. And, uh -huh. um, you know, when there wasn't just uh, tablets on site as much, smartphones weren't being distributed by companies as much. Um, so yeah, one of our earliest memories is I think, you know, getting those phones, like the physical phones actually onto the job site so they could leverage um, our first software solution, which was Bridget Field for punchless management. Um, and it was so awesome to then see the willingness to use the software once the actual devices were in their hands. And then over the last seven years, we've obviously seen the industry change so much. There's been a ton of venture capital investment. Um, the industry has really you know, come so far in terms of adopting technologies that really make sense for their business. So it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely been a really exciting, exciting place to be. That's awesome. And back in July, you guys uh, made news with a, a big announcement of Autodesk being one of your, your new investors. So congrats there. It's, uh, it's very exciting. Well, what does the, the combination with Autodesk Construction Cloud and Bridget Bench uh, provide for the industry? Yeah, Autodesk has been in the space, obviously, for many years. You know, they're a public company operating in both, you know, construction, engineering, architecture. Um, so really, they're trying to, you know, uh, deliver solutions for the entire project lifecycle. Mm -hmm. And the investment came to be because with our product Bridget Bench, which is for workforce planning, um, that wasn't a current solution that they offered as part of their suite. Um, and so ultimately together we're able to bring, you know, a very robust offering to the market, which is really exciting through the investment and through the partnership. Um, so, you know, very excited that at some point we will be integrated with the, the construction cloud. Um, so we're just sort of in the planning phases of, of that right now. But I think for us, it was just this amazing stamp of approval from an industry veteran that, you know, they really see that the solution we're bringing to the market is valuable to the construction industry. Um, and for us, we're hoping that, you know, the partnership just helps us continue to learn from the industry and expand um, beyond North America. So, uh, yeah, that was, you know, really exciting for the team. And I think something that Lauren and I just are, are it's keeping us very optimistic about the future of Bridget as well. That's awesome. Uh, so leaning in a little bit more to the, the resource planning aspect of it, how are you guys really improving construction resource planning and then the, the labor forecasting? through data. Absolutely. So we had our first product, Bridget Fields, and um, a number of our customers, we had about 150 customers with that product. And in, in that customer base, we were always having conversations about what other pain points they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so it was in a conversation with um, a CTO from one of the largest uh, contractors on the ENR 400 list. And we were just going through, you know, their software stack and understanding what other solutions they were using and where some of the gaps were. And it came up that, you know, they have uh, their CRM solution, they have an HR software, they have project management software, yet every week or so, you know, 15 of their operations leaders were gathering in a room and squinting their eyes, trying to see, you know, the Excel spreadsheet, um, you know, formulas that were broken or trying to make different graphics to represent their workforce plan. And it was just very difficult to manage that spreadsheet when they maybe had 500 team members across the country and they were trying to schedule them and ensure there weren't conflicts, getting the right person to the right job, um, and ultimately not having to deal with all of the manual data entry that they were being faced with. And so we were hearing them kind of talk about all of these different challenges and that their operations team had been asking them for a tool and they just really didn't have 
anything to provide them with. Um, and we were like, well, that's really interesting. And then, um, you know, interviewed about 30 or 40 other operations executives from ENR 400 companies, and it was the same across the board. And so what we were hearing was, you know, manual data entry, certain metrics that they wish they could look at, but they just simply didn't have the time to calculate because everything was just in the spreadsheet and it was very manual. They were the only one maintaining the spreadsheet. Um, a lot of decisions being based on gut feel. And so again, not looking at historical projects and that sort of thing, but just, you know, I think this person worked well with this person and I think they may have done a hospital project before. Um, and it totally makes sense that they were doing that because they simply didn't have a tool to manage it effectively. And so this just seemed like a way that we could, you know, really continue to push the industry forward. Um, so set out to build the solution and then launched it in May of 2019. So that's, that's Bridget Bench and, and how it came to be. Nice. Uh, so you, you mentioned the, the gut feel aspect of it, um, which is, you know, makes total sense and is, probably pretty prevalent in the construction industry. Why should people use data to really back up and then drive their decisions? Yeah, so in construction um, specifically, I think when, when the market's hot, it's, and this is really in any business, it's, it's easy to make mistakes and there's, there's so much money to be made that it's okay if you don't run everything and every process perfectly because you're sort of able to have, you know, this, this margin of error and still run very profitably as a company. Mm -hmm. um, I think when the market is, you know, potentially going through a downturn type scenario, or you're just not as busy as you have been historically, that's the moment when these metrics matter most. And so giving operations managers the ability to understand their overhead costs. So, you know, maybe they have a hundred team members and 90 of them are assigned to projects, but the other 10, there's no work coming up for them in the next six months. That's something that's very important to know. And it's very important to understand the specific dollar value around that. So we call that bench cost. And, um, you know, those are numbers that, again, if you're, you know, if you have a full set of projects coming up, the team is, you know, 150% allocated, then that number doesn't matter as much. But the second that the backlog um, starts to shrink and the number of projects go down, then, you know, that's one reason why you would want these metrics. A second reason is just around overall employee retention. So um, this is more when, you know, the market is really performing and there's a, a huge demand around talent in the industry. You want to make sure that you're retaining those team members. And when you can leverage historical data or specific employee references um, or input on what types of projects they would like to go to and whether it's close to their house and any other various preferences they have, you're likely going to put them in a place where they're far more satisfied and happy in their job and increase that chance of actually retaining that team member, which is incredibly important um, to construction companies and to any company um, you know, looking to really operate efficiently. So there's a couple different examples. There's, you know, far more data points that we're providing, but those are two of the specific things that we've heard from our, from our customers. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. 
visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. That's great. So with those, um, you know, bench costs, how do you uh, really provide those employee oversight uh, to help get people off the bench? Absolutely. So we have a couple different um, visual um, visualizations within the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them is just our overall um, Gantt uh, visuals. So you can look at that both from a people perspective and a project perspective. So you can understand an individual's project allocation and when that's going down to 0% allocated, which is when they'd be on the bench. Mm-hmm. And you'd be then looking at your project backlog, trying to find, you know, where's the gap? Where can I place this person? So they're not, um, you know, just sitting on the bench and not on a project. So with those views, we make it really easy to kind of match up people and projects. So either the projects need people and we can show you an available list of people um, now and into the future. And then the same, you know, if a person's available, which projects could they potentially um, fill a need on? And at the end of the day, if you, if you have too many people, then you're probably going to knock on the business development team's door and say, okay, like we have 10 extra people. We need to go out and find projects to fill um, their capacity up for the next, you know, six months or 12 months, whatever that may be. Or if you don't have any people to fill the needs on the projects, you're probably going to talk to your HR team and say, you know, in six months from now, we're really going to need 10 or 15 people to fill the projects that we've taken on. Um, So it it really summarizes the data. So you can go talk to some of the other teams within your organization to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success now and into the future. Awesome. Uh, Circling back for a moment to the uh, comments that you got when you were pitching the idea originally of that construction isn't willing to adopt technology and all that stuff. Uh, So, you know, the reputation is that construction is not the most willing to change, but why should construction firms adopt new technologies and, and really innovative workflows? You know, we we wouldn't have started the business if we didn't feel that that desire was there back in 2013. And we strongly believe that there was simply just this hardware software disconnect. You know, they'd been maybe given software tools, but they weren't mobile first. They weren't, you know, being used on tablets. And so, you know, a project manager could have been very willing to adopt technology, but if they're walking around the job site all day and they can't access the information when they're on the go, then the software is basically rendered useless. So um, we really feel like we validated that desire back in 2013. And I think it's just continued to grow as investment has gone into the space and as solutions have been custom built for the construction industry. I think there's been a huge willingness for them to adopt. Um, and I think now it's it's really just about the industry continuing to push themselves to think about, you know, what other challenges could we solve? Where else could we be more efficient? Where else could we put data to work? And I think that feedback will really help further guide the software space and the tech space to continue to build solutions um, that are a great fit for the industry. Mm-hmm. What stood out to me was uh, make sure it's easy to use, that, that ease of use is important <laughs> and, and really build a tool for your end user. I know that sounds super um, common sense, but I, I think that that has been lacking for sure on some software and construction. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think, you know, we definitely believe that it's one thing to say that you're going to be easy to use, but for us, it's been really important to actually configure our team in a way that um, makes it possible to build a solution that's easy to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's, it's actually about taking away features that, you know, aren't adding value to the customer. So it's not just hanging around in the product, making things more confusing. So 
just you know really trying to put very useful features um, uh, forward for the customer is very hard to do. And so we've invested heavily in our design team. They're doing a lot of user testing. We're always validating our ideas with customers, um, making sure that it's easy for them to navigate the product. And those are really important things to not just say you want to build a product that's easy to use, but really put the dollars behind it and the investment behind it to make sure that that's truly what you're releasing. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, so 2020 has been a uh, rather unusual <laughs> year, uh, to say the least. How has COVID affected the scheduling headache and I'm sure presented a, a whole host of, of new problems as well, too? Yeah, absolutely. So COVID, I think, has just been a massive shift for you know everyone in the workplace. Construction being deemed an essential industry really did you know continue to move forward um, despite all of the changes. I think um, it's really accelerated the digital transformation that we've started to see in the space because mm -hmm. any any process that was maybe on whiteboards within an office, like those, all had to be moved to more of a digital platform. So the office team members could easily collaborate from their home offices. So I think really we're just seeing an acceleration, I think on the resource planning, workforce planning side of things. Um, I think everyone is, you know, despite work still having been very busy the last number of months, everyone is sort of operating in this realm that it could become less certain and into, into the future. And so trying to really understand their business, understand where there's efficiencies that they could gain and what numbers may be important to them, things around forecasting their workforce, forecasting their bench cost, all of those numbers that will become more and more important um, if, if the market tightens up. Mm -hmm. How do you think COVID is really going to change construction practices moving forward over the next uh, you know, year or two? What kind of lasting impact does it have? Definitely. So I think um, you know, a lot of contractors are trying to just put a lot of um, just tracking procedures in place about you know, which teams are on site, um, who's working with who. Um, I think the one really difficult thing that we've been hearing just in terms of planning is just around social distancing, obviously on site, and that's a challenge that the industry is um, going to have to overcome. Um, but that's a little bit, you know, that's not as close to our day-to-day -day business. So I think like really the biggest change we're seeing is just, um, you know, being able to understand where individuals have been, which projects they've been to and who they may mm -hmm. have worked with from the COVID perspective, mm -hmm. um, but mostly this digital push. Um, everyone understanding that they may be in and out of the office for, for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we are, are looking at really underutilized construction workforce, what's the, what's the big problem that people should be really concerned about with that? I think an underutilized workforce um, you know, really presents some difficult decisions for construction companies, and they're really going to need to determine if they're you know, in the financial position to carry those team members for a certain amount of time, um, or if we're going to start seeing more layoffs occur. Up until now, most of our clients have been continuing to hire. They're, they're very busy on projects. Um, but ultimately, if you're forecasting that you're going to have under, underutilized team members for a long period of time, then typically that ends up requiring some sort of um, you know, team structure changes. Um, a couple things that we've seen in the past. So through the product research, we were talking to customers, of course, about um, you know, in 2008 and what, what changes they had to make. 
And mm -hmm. one amazing thing that we saw was that was actually one of the times where we they, they were doing the most software implementation because they really wanted to keep their great team members on board that weren't potentially as busy with construction projects. And so they did these large software implementations um, and they could really put their minds to work on, you know, how this software could work within their organization for when they had more projects coming online. Um, so I think if companies are flexible and you know, either training team members to do other jobs for a little bit of time or finding other ways that they can create value within the organization. And that's something hopefully that's, you know, positive that can come from um, a difficult situation if, if that ends up does, it ends up occurring in the construction industry. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Evolve MEP. MEP construction software for Revit. Evolve's MEP software for Revit makes project collaboration fast simple, and more productive, which in turn significantly reduces project risk and cost. Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before it. Visit EvolveMEP.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you brought up the 2008 and tech adoption there. Cause I, I do think we're seeing some parallels with uh, adopting tech and you brought up the digital transformation as well too, which I think uh, if I can phrase it this way, COVID's been a, a blessing in, in that regards uh, for digital transformation. Cause it allowed the construction industry to, they, they had to adapt more to digital workflows and they saw that it, it wasn't as scary and that they could do it. And it actually brought in a lot of efficiencies. How have you kind of seen that wave of digital transformation really growing over the, the last several years, but obviously, you know, ramped up over the last couple of months? Yeah, I think if, if, you know, we were to go back in time to, you know, last year, last summer, for instance, we were to make a list of things that would you know, push the construction tech space forward or construction innovation forward, a global pandemic would not have been on <laughs> you didn't have that. our list, you know, like it, it just wouldn't have been something that we would have been talking about. Um, but I do think that it has forced construction and other industries um, to make that jump. And I think mm -hmm. it's something that will help them, you know, just build stronger businesses into the future. And it's really been an amazing um, example of resilience throughout many industries, just having to make changes very quickly when the future is very much unknown. And I think it was really, it was really just amazing to watch the industry take on that challenge, um, despite no one really knowing that that was going to be the reason why they were potentially adopting more solutions. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's a matter of, okay, we're going to adopt solutions for, you know, this next six or 12 months, and then we're going to drop them. I think they're finding so many new efficiencies and, uh, you know, potentially data points within some of the software or just productivity enhance enhancements or whatever it may be that I don't, I don't think the industry is going to go back once they've adopted these solutions. Like I think these solutions are really here to stay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I more than agree with you too. I, I think it gave the construction industry the the push that it, it needed on the digital side. Agreed. Uh, so, in in many ways, uh, you uh, you're a trailblazer. Uh, how would you encourage other young women to get in the construction industry? Absolutely. So I think um, you know, Lauren and I, when we were starting the business, we didn't think it was 
unique at all, I guess, that we were in construction or in tech. It just happened to be the things that based on, you know, family background and educational interest that it just made a lot of sense for us. And it was only once the company got up and running where people like, oh, you know, this is, this is pretty different, or you don't see, you know, many females in either of these industries and you're, you're in both um, to an extent. And so that's kind of given us this new perspective that like, maybe, maybe it is difficult for some women to make the jump to go into construction. And I would just say, you know, don't be afraid to be the first, you know, whether you're the first in your family or, um, you know, you're the first in your group of friends or, or whatever it may be, just, just don't be afraid to take that leap. Um, because I think the industry is, is really open and really hoping for more females to get into the space. I think everyone loves working in more diverse workforces, mm-hmm. um, you know, on, you know, every definition of diversity. And so, um, I think you, you would find that you're entering an industry with, with open arms. And I think it's helpful to also just maybe have a network for someone that is new to the industry. They feel a little bit, maybe like they're the only one, um, you know, talking to some people that have been in the industry for a while and just being able to have a conversation and learn lessons that they've already, um, or hear about lessons that that individual has already learned is, is always helpful, just finding mentorship. Um, but at the end of the day, the industry is not going to change overnight. And so I think you really just have to get over that fear and, and take the leap of faith. And if it's a place you want to be, then you just need to get up there and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that answer. Uh, great answer. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite part of the construction industry? Um, maybe that I get to swear sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I struggled a little bit, I think in, um, business school because I found it was such a formal setting and Mm -hmm. that wasn't really the way that that I operated and so I think being able to solve you know really hard problems with you know very enthusiastic people but in a casual work environment has been sort of the perfect mix for me and I'm sure others maybe interpret it differently but um you know the fact that I didn't have to ever walk on site and you know, in a suit or, you know, those sorts of things. Like I just really loved how casual and open the industry was. And I think had it not been that way, it would have been a lot harder for us to do our research, to, you know, find a problem to solve and ask real and hard questions um, to the, to the group of individuals that we were interviewing through that process. Um, Because you could kind of just get, you know, get to the meat of the topic very quickly. And that's something that I've just I've loved about the industry. And I actually think that now that construction is very much embraced technology, it's that candid conversation is go- going to be something that really helps drive the industry forward. Um, so yeah, I think those are a couple of the things that I, that I love about the industry. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the construction industry is, is amazing at, at that casual conversation and, and being willing to share and, and talk and have those conversations. It's, pretty rare but it's a it's a cool trait of the construction industry for sure yeah we've seen the the collaboration even um across our customers even if they're in the same geographic market they're clearly competitors they've they've still been willing to talk about best practices and you know why they adopted our solution and all of that and so it's it's really amazing to see um you know collaboration happening in in Mm -hmm. every city um and that's been yeah another sort of amazing part of the industry that's great uh, what does innovation mean to you? I think innovation is is definitely going far beyond technology and just looking at, you know, 
what do you do today? And how could we do that better going into the future? And it could be anything from a business process to a technology implementation. Um, and, and there's really a whole you know, wealth of ways that you can put that to action within your company. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one way that we try and think about it at Bridget um, is just putting sort of these, these false constraints on the way you're thinking. So, you know, if, if we were to double in size and only have the same number of team members we have now, what would we need to change to make that happen? And kind of putting these, these you know, made up constraints forces you to think about how you would do things more efficiently or differently than how you do them in the day to day. And I think, you know, construction companies can continue to innovate in so many ways beyond just adopting technology. Nice. Uh, well, how do people find out more information about Bridget and, or get in touch with you? Absolutely. So if they head over to our Bridget Solutions LinkedIn page, that would be a great way to follow what events we're going to be at, content that we put out, and just overall company updates. Um, and then we also have, of course, you know, Instagram, Twitter, all of that, but LinkedIn would probably be the primary place to, to learn more. Awesome. Well, Mallory, thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining the show. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. And thank you to all those listening. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at ASDI.com. Or you can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyan, produced by Alyssa Chartier, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.